It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. When he was in hospice, and you may not understand his praise because God literally raised him from the dead. So there is a reason why he comes in here and preaches and sweats and goes all over the country doing what he does because he has a testimony. May I submit to you that you also have a testimony? Man, there are things that you don't even talk about that God that God has brought you through. You don't even discuss it. There are some things you're going to take to your grave that you told the Father, Lord, if you bring me out of this thing right here, I owe you. Here's the thing. You ain't just said that once in your life. God keeps on, keeps on, keeps on making a way. And where there is no door, God has cut a door for you. Do I have any witnesses that know that he is a way maker? Do I have any witnesses in the building that says, if God hadn't healed my body. All right, that may have not been on your row. How about this one? Do I have any witnesses today that, that can say, if God didn't heal my mind? Okay, that may not have been you. Do I have any witnesses that can say, if God had not mended my heart? When you thought that heartbreak was going to take you down. God raised you up. Come on. Sent angels to minister to you at night. When the tears met up under your chin, God says, I'm going to... I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to put you back together again. Every time we come up in this house, there should be a grateful sound that emits from your vocal cords that lets him know, God, I'm grateful for everything that you've done for me. God, I thank you for another opportunity to put my hands together, to say to you, God, be glorified, to say thank you, sovereign God, because there are some decisions that you made that weren't good for you. And God closed that door. He was a good father to you. There are some things that you prayed for that God denied it. 
that you asked him for and he said no and you thought it was something you thought it was a punishment who am I talking to today but because he was a good good father and and because he's the Alpha and Omega and he sees the end from the beginning watch this he saved you from yourself That's why we come in here and we sing. There is none like you. Excited about the series of messages that we are entering into uh, called Voices. We've been all this year talking about soul winning. To win a soul means to win the intellect or the mind, but also the feelings and emotions. Uh, Both of those things impact our decisions or our will. Uh, Proverbs says that he that wins or she that wins souls is wise. In other words, it takes wisdom to win someone's intellect or someone's emotion uh, to change maybe the direction of their will and decision making. And so you all, I am encouraging you to lean in, uh, listen with different ears. Of course, you all, we are a Christian church. We believe the Bible is our instruction. The Bible is our true north. It gives us clarity about what is right, what is wrong. However, you all, there are many people that we will be hearing uh, in these Voices uh, series who may not agree with you, who may not agree with the scriptures, who may not agree with God and what the word of God says. Listen, you all, um, we've been called by God to be fishers of men. How can we be fishers of men and fishers of women when we don't even know them? So uh, put on your listening ears, listen in, and let's hear these voices. Hello, everyone. We're so excited to have you with us as we're continuing this series called Voices. And one of the things that we have been intentional about is making sure that individuals who are um, really in our community, in our world, uh, that their voices are heard. Churches so often try to fix people, change people. Some of it's our mission to do those kinds of things, to win people. But before we do all that, we've got to learn and we've got to listen. And we've got to uh, let people show up to the world uh, and let us learn who they are. And I'm really excited today about a very special guest uh, that is a friend of mine and also really a part of our church. Many of you may not know, but he's a member of our church and uh, has done lots of things in the city and you'll hear more about that but Alondo Reeves is here welcome brother so glad to have you you. I just want to hear a little bit about your background where you're from give us a little bit about who you are what you do where's home originally Chicago living in Detroit the last 35 years I'm on the east side Uh, come from a big family Uh, six seven sisters two brothers all in Chicago, mm. uh, in love in Detroit. And we had a chance to meet, and uh, I think part of the thing that I caught from you was just your com- your serious commitment to the community. Uh, that that uh, life for you has a lot to do with making change, a lot of it being social, a lot of it being political, et cetera. So what are some things that you're doing these days uh, as it relates to your work, kind of what your passion is, what, what are some of the things that you're doing right now leaning into? Um, like I said, I live on the east side, so I live in the Pingree Park area. In the Pingree Park, we're starting the CDC, which is a community development organization. It allows us to begin that process of rehabbing the community, making it more uh, livable for the community, the seniors, and everybody who lives in the community. I also uh, work in politics, so I run political campaigns right now. I'm working uh, with Adam Ollier, who's running for Congress, based on the um, 
the census, we lost one of our seats, so this is the last opportunity we have That's right. to have a black representative. So I find it important um, to have people look like me, especially in a city as chocolate as Detroit, uh, to make sure that we keep that seat as a black seat. So yeah. I'm working to get him in office. Definitely want to get back to that, Alondo, because I think that many people who are not African-American always wonder, why are black people so obsessed about race and about uh, people representing their demographic that looks like them. So we're going to talk about that in a minute because you're like, that would seem obvious. Uh, tell us a little bit about your journey as a Christian. I mean, how did you become a Christian? Are you a Christian? Uh, what are your thoughts about Christianity? I would definitely consider myself a Christian. Grew up uh, in a Baptist church, open door in Chicago. Um, I would consider my whole family as being Christians. Christians to me, uh, or being a Christian is just a part of life. I don't see it any different than any other part of my life. Um, I think you have to live it more so than preach it. So I try to live it as much as I can with all of my flaws that I have. Yeah. So one of the things that I know many people struggle with is the, the space between being a Christian and the church. Um, and, and it shouldn't be a space, but sometimes for some it is. In other words, um, many people sometimes, I think it was, uh, it was Mother Teresa that said, um, your Jesus I don't have a problem with, but your Christianity I do. So in, in, in lieu of that, how do, you, how do you feel about the way that the church, uh, and I say that in the capital C, you know, is representing Christ? Do you feel like the, the church, and maybe particularly the church in America, uh, do you feel like we are lining up with what you read in the Bible about what the church is supposed to be, the church is supposed to do? Absolutely not. I think um, the church constantly thrives to try to represent what Christ-like should be. Um, but I think it has become, let me tell you, the religion story instead of living it. I think most people are moved and um, garnered when they see that life as a part of that person more than somebody's preaching it to them. I think um, the church as I knew it as a child was the center of our community. So yeah. I, I don't see the church as being that meet all need that community has. Yeah, I want to just kind of pick up on what you just said, Alondo, uh, when you said that, uh, you know, at one point the church was the center of the community. And many of the people that are listening right now, that's not a context that they have at all, uh, the church being this place that the community gathers. And uh, what did that look like? What, when you say it was the center of the community, was it just physically located in the center? Obviously, that's not what it was. What were some of the things that made the church the center of the community when you were young? I think predominantly for poor folks, the social services become the meet all needs that poor folks have. That was the church at one point. There was always a deacon you can go to when you couldn't make your rent or when you couldn't pay your water bills. That the church had a fund that they would actually help do that. There was always, in any kind of church setting as a child, a food feeding folks. There was never especially with black folks. If you gathered black folks, you fed black folks. Um, it was a way of bringing folks who couldn't say I was poor, I didn't have food. Mm -hmm. 
into a surrounding. If I didn't have clothes, there was always somebody who um, could give clothes. There was always a second-hand shop. There was always a pantry that you can go to and get that kind of stuff. I think now that we look to others to do that, and we try to then say that this is the God that you should serve, and he's all able, but we don't provide a lot of that anymore wow. to the community. Yeah, I totally agree with that, unfortunately. Um, you know, you mentioned, you know, the church being a place, again, where if somebody was hungry, if somebody uh, didn't have rent, it could, it could be met. What is your opinion about the mission of the church? Like, what do, what do you think that Jesus intended the church to be? What do you think God's mission was for us? And how close are we to that? Are we, like, real far away from that, in your opinion? I think the principles come in two movies. One, the Ten Commandments, and then the, um, I'm trying to think of the other big movie that comes around Easter time. But even in that portrayal of what Christianity was, it was more revolutionary. It was mm. more about freeing people from bondage. I don't think the church is in a place or um, even sees the need to be the revolutionary of the community. Um, our deficit is not just spiritual. Sometimes we have to get to the immediate needs. Mm. I need to feed my kids. I need to make sure we got lights on. Those things being met by somebody who should do it naturally, as in the church, would draw folks to them. But I don't think that's the seed in which the church plants anymore wow. in terms of how it reaches the community. I think it's a byproduct of what the church does. We go and we knock on doors and we tell them we have a service. And it's not that I want you to come and enjoy a picnic with us. I want you to come and enjoy, clean up the neighborhood. And it's not always about me being able to give you a message because every message is not for everybody. Right. And every deliverer of a message um, sometimes does not have the right initiative in which they, they come to the, the conversations. It's more in mean, uh, piety than anything, that mm -hmm. I have this little bit of God that I'm trying to share with you mm -hmm. instead of uh, meeting with me where I'm at yeah. and then walking with So it's a thing. power dynamic Absolutely. that one feels like I've got something for you, but not necessarily we're exchanging. Absolutely. Um, and that kind of segues to what you kind of alluded to earlier as far as the African-American community uh, and the African-American um, experience. Uh, you know, there are many people that are viewing this who are from different ethnicities, a lot of Anglo churches, a lot of Asian, Latina, Latinx churches. And so people are looking and listening to this conversation through the lens of their race and their ethnicity and their locations. What is it uniquely about the African-American people, the African-American experience that, in your opinion, the church uh, needs to specifically kind of address? Uh, and I say this because um, I have many Anglo pastor friends who will say, uh, you know, that social gospel of black churches is removing themselves from the true gospel. Um, then they'll say things like liberation theology, uh, which they'll say cherry picks out of the Bible uh, these stories of redemption and the stories of people being brought out so that black people or other enslaved people can find a point of reference. So 
not that they minimize the experience, but they end up saying that's not the whole gospel. That's just something that black people have to hang on to because that's their experience, but that's not my experience. How do you feel that the African-American church or the African-American community, the gospel is uniquely kind of um, catered or should be uniquely catered to, to where we are or our experience? Or do you feel like, hey, this isn't just a black thing. I kind of feel like this is greater. Liberation theology is not just about uh, people who are oppressed because of skin color. It's about women. It's about people with gender issues. What is your opinion of the black community and the church's response to it specifically? Is there a specific response that the church owes or should have to the, to the African-American community? No, I don't think there's a specific responsibility it has to the black community. I think the black community has deeply influenced what we see as the standard church now. If you go back mm -hmm. way beyond slavery, if you go to drumming, to, to singing in, in, in the fields, that whole emotional power that we got from song and from message was kind of the seeds of what drove church. Yeah. It drove it through through the rhythms just that we naturally came from. And I think from that we developed or messaging uh, became a part of what the whole song and rhythm brought to spirituality. Yeah. I think um, it was a seed of strength for us. Yeah. Um, and I think that what we owe, if anything, that the emotions that we get from hearing tales about things that commonly reach beyond race um, are the things that give people strength. I think those seeds are the things that Christianity can build around. Um, I think when we separate the community, and whether it's the community around uh, mid-city, whether it's uh, the east side, communities were, were gathered based on commonality. Mm. And the commonality at that point was spirituality. Wow. What we're doing is separating today's life from Christianity, in my opinion. What appears to be um, a separate track, Christianity has done the same thing for the last 50, 60 years. Life has changed every 10, 15 years, especially in terms of poverty. It, it grows and it expands. You can't expect the same tools to work with mm. a different group of folks who have the same kind of oppression, but from a different perspective. Mm. Um, it was once labor oppression. Now right. it's economic. So economic now becomes mental. So mental now becomes physical. So all these different modalities of change, you know, has happened over the last 50 years, but Christianity has been sold as a bill of goods the same way it was sold a hundred years ago wow. to a totally different audience. Wow. I mean, you're just saying so many powerful things, Alondo, particularly about the church not adjusting and not, in a sense, evolving, if you want to call it that, uh, with the way in which society has evolved. It's like we're still using the same methods and stuff that we used long time ago and the issues are different. So with that being said, you know, and I just want to ask you this because I know you're a straight shooter. You'll just tell it like it is. You know, 
do you feel like the church is relevant today? Do you feel like based on what you said about, you know, mental illness, which is affecting physical, I mean, it's just a different set of challenges that people face now than they faced back in the 60s and then the 50s. Um, do you feel like the church is addressing those issues now? Do you feel like we're being relevant? Do you feel as though the communities, like you said, that are around the churches are like, yes, the church is definitely relevant. Or do you feel like we have become completely irrelevant? You kind of answered a little bit earlier as far as us not having evolved. But do you think that, that we're completely irrelevant? I think Christianity is very relevant. And I okay. think it's necessary for the community. I think the church is irrelevant to the community in terms of meeting the needs where they are at this point. Mm -hmm. I think that um, out of comfort, we'll say we're going to start our knocking, doing community outreach, but it's really to build membership. It's right. not to change lives. Wow. So the mission of why we do what we do has wow. to change based on the needs. Wow. If you, I know you well, and a little, you know, and if you were to join a church, Alondo Reeves and me as a community organizer, me as a person involved in community development, me as a person involved in the political arena, me as an unashamedly uh, African-American, what, what, what do those boxes look like for an Alondo Reeves to say, you know what, a relevant transformational church looks like this to me? What, what, what are some of those boxes? Um, it would be open from 7 to, to 10. I can drop my kids off, um, feel safe there. I know that, um, that I'm working in the community. I know they're feeding the community. I know they're cleaning up the community. Um, I know there's not a disconnect between when people walk past the church, they never come in the doors because any place that's open and friendly, people want to, to participate mm -hmm. in. So it would be a welcoming place mm -hmm. that there are senior programs that, you know, all of the needs of that community is being met by the fellowship that's going on inside the church. Some of the larger churches uh, do some of those things. I've got several pastor friends, and of course in this city we've got some churches that are doing some great work that are similar to that. But let's just say you're talking to a smaller pastor, a smaller church that doesn't have you know, endless resources, doesn't have staffing that would be available maybe from a early morning to evening to have the, 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 the doors open. Do you feel like there is a, uh, a challenge or is there any kind of a a difference between some of these lesser resource places and maybe more higher resource places or do you think it's just scale you know because there's some people that are listening who are in churches that don't have those kind of resources so how would they respond to to the Alondo who says man this is what I would be looking for in a church again I think um, it's easy to be critical but I think being relevant in a community makes you solvent mm. if you're doing the actual work people will come mm. I think when you look at the church body, we have 5,000 churches in the city of Detroit. Right. We got half the population living in poverty. Yeah. We got 50% of the housing that are owned by black folks dilapidated. We got a whole skill force of workers who ain't got jobs. Why ain't none of this being connected? Why are people's homes not being fixed? Why are little kids out on the street with you know no protection from the men. Why are we scared to talk to our neighbors? It ain't because the church is out there saying that as a community we need to live together. It's because we separated. Mm. 
Did church people go to church? Uh, Bill Withers used to sing a song <laughs> about how, you know, he would come out when the church people were in, 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 in the church building. Literally, we, we live separate lives. Yeah. So we have separate existence, and until they merge, we don't know each other. We're strangers living in the same community. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, uh, I was sharing in a message earlier, uh, Barna Research uh, listed like about 68 of the cities in America that are now con considering themselves post-Christian, um, that this is the first time in American history where some people in particular areas of the country are not identifying with Christianity. So America, for the most part, is now over 50% of people who do not identify as Christian for the first time in American history. And in that list, uh, Detroit is 28 uh, of the 60-something of people who don't believe uh, in Christianity. Um, and in this church city that you just mentioned now, uh, right behind Chicago and right ahead of uh, like LA and DC, Detroit, with all of those thousands of churches, have 48% of its people who do not agree with Christian claims. So that's facts. And so that is sobering that the statistics are saying with the plethora of churches that we have in the city, 48% of the people in the city do not identify as Christian. You know, I, I encourage those who might be watching to maybe check out the Barner research because they kind of give 16 different metrics to de describe how a person um, is not really viewing the Christian thing. Like, I don't read my Bible like in a week at all. I, I'm not involved in any Christian fellowship. I, I, I do not believe in sharing my faith. I, yeah, I do not believe that Jesus is the only way. I mean, so I, I, I am not born again. I mean, so those are some of the things that they ask people. I mean, they ask all these people these questions and the people that are answering them, 13 out of the 16, they're considering themselves not Christian. And, and those stats are happening in cities where thousands of churches exist. Do you feel like the Christian church is racist? <laughs> um, it, or if it's not racist, is it influenced by it? Is it perpetuated by it? Do you think that the American church is steeped in racism, that it is racist, and that it's perpetuating racism unwittingly? I don't see how you cannot. We live in a racist society. The powers that will, financial, institutional power, are not being ran by black folks by and large. Mm. Uh, so when you talk about any kind of church or any kind of institution, as a whole, look at the leadership. Mm. Um, even if you say be Baptist, which we all claim to be more so than just a Christian, the Baptist church is a white institution in America. Uh, does that make it bad? No. But is it racist to some degree? Absolutely. So we innately accept some of their traditions just because mm. they are the leadership and they set the rules. Wow. Uh, so we never get to freely classify what Christianity is to us because it's already been set. So if you don't follow these rules, then you can be on the doubted end of Christianity. Mm, 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 mm. Um, so you mentioned Detroit, and you are a Detroiter. You love Detroit. Uh, I want to just kind of wrap it up with these last couple of questions. Uh, do you feel Do you feel as though Detroit's church community um, is 
shifting or changing. Let me, let me, let me kind of give context to that. Um, we're in the information age. We're in an age of, 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 of cancel culture. We're in, it, it just, things are just so different now than they just were like just literally a few years ago. And um, the city is gentrifying quickly. All right. So many suburban churches uh, are now planting in the city of Detroit because the exodus out of the suburbs into the city in a lot of ways is happening in, in that way. So the established black churches that have been here forever and a day, um, what do you feel like the landscape is going to look like in a few years uh, with the Christian, with the irrelevance of the black church, with the emergence of the suburban white church that's planting in the city, the gentrifying of the city, the, the wealth disparities that, that are going to become more pronounced because of the gentrification. Do you think that the church is prepared for that shift? Because I, I believe in all honesty it's already happening, but I think it's going to happen at a, at a lot larger scale. Do you feel like the older churches that are like into the old way uh, are willing to adapt, adjust to a generation of, hey, I'm him, hers, I'm she, her, you know, are they willing to adjust with all of the, the pronoun, gender issues, and uh, all of the stuff that's so different now than it was a few years ago in church leadership? Do you think that the church in Detroit can handle the gentrification that's happening? I know, and I think those are all subsets of real issues. I think that whether white churches plan in Detroit or more black churches plan in Detroit, the methodology they use is the same. I believe that ministers are afraid of change mm. in the church. So it's just like a drug addict. You know, I do what's comfortable to me. If this habit leads me this result, I know what that result is. If I get up every Sunday, go through my 62 sermons and preach one, you know, every 18 weeks, and the church accepts it, I'm not trying to change something mm. that's working. It's working for me. Mm. It's not working for the community. Mm. So church leadership is not changing. Where they go may change, but the, the atmosphere of the church changes very little because we do what's comfortable. Wow. Time changes but it doesn't mean that the, the message or the messenger changes there way of delivering yeah. um, God's word. Wow. Well, Alondo, this is the last question I want to ask you, and, uh, and I don't know if there's anything you want to say on the other side of this, but I respect you so much. I mean, I, I really do. Uh, and the reason I do is you are a leader. You're unashamed. You're, you've always been unashamed about what you believe. Um, there's people that I've encountered that I don't really know what they believe. Um, and some of them, they present one thing, and then I find out that they really believe something totally different. That's not your story. Uh, what I see is what I get, and it's 24-7, and I have high respect for you. And so the, the last question is a question I've asked everybody in the Voices series. What would you say to a Christian who's listening to say, if you want to reach a brother like me, and I represent a lot of people, this is what I, this is what. This is what Alondo's looking for. If you, if you want to be a Christian and you come and approach me and talk to me or engage me, these are the things that for me um, are, are rewarding uh, when it comes to a, a Christian, 
uh, interacting with me. Uh, what, what would you say to the, to the Christian who says, how, do we re- how, how would I reach an Alondo Reeves? How would I connect with him? What would, be the, what would be the answer you would give to that Christian? I think the first challenge is always being vulnerable. Don't come to me telling me about somebody else or somebody I believe in. So if you come to me telling me about God and you ain't telling me about you, mm. then we're probably not going to get off on any real conversation. So if you're not able to or willing to expose who you are, wow. and I can see that being generally, I, your, your religion belief is very irrelevant to me. Uh, so when you come off initially telling me about God, I don't even know you. So, you know, why should I accept some belief pattern that you have accepted when I don't even know that I believe in your lifestyle? Wow. So I think you have to start with who you are. Wow. Um, and if you have to sell me, for lack of a better term, your religion, then you ain't living it. So I don't need you to preach to me about something that I have some connection to myself. Mm. I need to know that you're real and you're about kind of life I'm about, with all our shortcomings. Wow. Um, Alondo, I, I don't know if you know how helpful this is to us. Let me tell you why, and specifically because, number one, I value your opinion. I think that as a leader in our city, your insight about the church, about society, about uh, the, the kind of the evolution, or really, in my opinion, the devolution of the American church uh, is very insightful and helpful. And these videos, as they are being uh, shared, uh, not only in the church world, but even to people who are far from God, I think what it gives them an opportunity to do is to hear people, regular people, who say, hey, listen, this is how I feel about Christianity. This is how I feel about the church. And if the church is ever going to reach somebody like me, these are the things that they need to think about. And so you've answered that for us today, and we are so grateful for you, and we want to pray for you. But before we do that, are there any uh, closing comments you just want to say to, uh, to the listeners as it relates to uh, what you might challenge them uh, to do, to think, to be, to, uh, to maybe tweak, to approach differently? Because, again, there will be people that are representing churches. There are people that are just regular Christians by themselves. They're not even a part of a church, but they want to make a difference. What would be your final, maybe, words of admonition to somebody who says, okay, uh, what's my next step? I think people who we're talking about trying to reach live different lives. Um, we read people differently. Um, we see prey and predators. I think that um, when you come unprepared and unreal, people see right through you, and you start your effectiveness at that point. Um, if you're not sure who you are, you cannot help somebody else find themselves in most cases. Um, I think people should soul search themselves before they try to mm. go help somebody else. Um, And I think people need to be comfortable being who they are. Mm. Um, And that's probably the hardest thing for most (laughs) folks, because I think there's some level of feeling I have a responsibility to do Christ's work, but you may not be prepared to do that. And just because I want to don't mean you need to. So I think people (laughs) should be careful. 
Amen. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, brother. I, we appreciate you. I want to just pray for you and, uh, and ask God's blessings. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Alando and for his candid um, answers and sharing with us today. Uh, God, we, we thank you for his life and we thank you for how you are moving and uh, the favor that you're granting to him as he does community development, but also as he works in the political arena. Uh, thank you, Lord, for his commitment to uh, the city of Detroit, but also just thank you for his, um, his willingness to help us to see how a group of people that maybe um, uh, are around us every day uh, that we have not done well in reaching. Uh, help us, everyone that's listening, no matter where we are in the world and no matter what uh, flag we fly as it relates to uh, how we uh, worship Jesus, uh, help us, Lord, to know uh, that there are practical ways that we can reach people um, who are in our very communities. Uh, we give you glory and honor and praise. We ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life in Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer, but be a doer, and let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us, and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT, or please visit us on our website, Citadel of Faith. Dot org that simply spells C I T A D E L of faith dot org all one word. We would love to hear your testimonies. We would love to hear your prayer requests. Know that you're in a partnership with us, and you're not in the journey alone. Let's change the world together, one person at a time. <laughs>